Good morning. The first reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fears of the religious leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As my Creator has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The next reading is from Acts, chapter 5 verses 27 to 32. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in Jesus' name, he said. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted Jesus to God's own right hand as Prince and Savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey God. Friends, will you join me in a spirit of prayer? Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. 
For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is a Japanese art form known as kintsugi. It is also sometimes known as golden repair. So in Japan, craftspeople will take broken pottery and they will apply a lacquer that's made from powdered gold or silver or platinum and other materials. And they'll take that lacquer and they'll apply it to these broken pieces, reattaching them. Dishes and bowls and pieces of pottery that in many places would be considered only suitable for the trash are instead knit back together, carefully and lovingly resurrected. The philosophy of this art form is that it treats breakage and subsequent repair as part of the history of the object rather than something to be disguised or discarded. The repairs themselves are visible. You can take your fingers and you can run them along the cracks and the different textures. You can see where the cracks in the object occurred and where that mixture was poured between them, raised in different parts. Sometimes there are even staples that hold the two pieces together also, along with the mixed lacquer. So the broken parts and all the work that it takes to bring these parts back together again and make the object whole are a holy part of the object's story. The brokenness and the repair They're not to be overlooked. And in fact, the repaired parts are often the strongest parts of this object. And they're often the ones most beautiful. So friends, what if we treated one another with such care and respect as is found in this Kintsugi art form? What if we looked at one another, really, really looked, noticing the parts of each other that have been broken down and put back together again? What if we witnessed the parts of one another that tell the stories of how we have struggled and yet still managed to knit ourselves back together again, sometimes with shiny lacquer and other times with functional staples? What if we were to bear witness to those parts of each other, and rather than let the popular narrative fill our thoughts with broken parts are signs of weakness and incompetence, what if instead we held the stories of our broken parts with gentle hands, as if ready to receive a kintsugi bowl into them, What if we could see those parts of one another fully, such that we would marvel in the strength and the beauty of one another in a fully authentic way? Not the shallow beauty. Not the shallow beauty seen when we put on these masks and facades that we wear in many places and that we wear when we interact with one another. Instead, what if we saw the kintsugi beauty of one another? Now, there are two parts 
that we have to consider in this notion of being our full, broken, strong, beautiful selves with one another. First, we have to think about how authentic we are in relationships with others. And secondly, about how we receive one another's true selves. So let's be honest, it can be really, really scary to be our authentic selves with one another. And rightfully so. For many of us have had the experience of being vulnerable, of sharing who we really are deep down, only to be shut down, ridiculed, misunderstood, and often not by others who are attempting to be their whole selves, but by armchair quarterbacks who would never be vulnerable themselves, but who have a lot to say about other people's authentic selves. To share who we are is a risk. And it is one that should be undertaken with a great deal of care for ourselves. Because no one is owed our story. No one is owed your truth. However, when we share our own stories and truths, we find ourselves in relationships that are deeper, that are more meaningful. When people truly see us as our whole selves, that is an empowering and liberating experience unlike any other. So if you haven't already, I would recommend that you take a look at the work of Brene Brown, who's a shame and vulnerability researcher, She is a fantastic resource for those looking to become more authentic in their lives and relationships. She has a number of excellent best-selling books, including Daring Greatly, and if you'd like to kind of get a crash course on her theories and her work, you can check out her new Netflix special. I promise it is worth watching this individual, who many of us pastors refer to as Saint Brene, And here, here is one of her great quotes about showing up as your whole authentic self. She says this, Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. So, what's vulnerability got to do with Jesus standing there with his friends, including Thomas, who is just not so sure about the resurrection? Let's look at the story. Jesus, who again and again meets his disciples where they are in their faith and in their doubts, appears to Thomas and the rest and becomes vulnerable. He opens up his garments such that Thomas can reach out and feel his side where he was pierced. Jesus opens up his hands so that Thomas can run his fingers along where Jesus' hands were nailed. As Thomas feels Jesus' skin, he believes it is indeed his teacher, his friend, his Messiah in front of him. And Thomas exclaims, my Lord, my God. So Jesus shows this willingness to become vulnerable and exposed to Thomas in order to deepen their relationship. He did not haughtily announce 
that due to Thomas's doubts, he and Thomas were no longer able to be in communion with one another. Rather, Jesus meets Thomas exactly where he is, and Jesus shows up scarred, not perfect and shiny. He shows up as this realistic individual. Because we are not these shiny, perfect beings. We're not idealized images. Instead, we are real human beings negotiating what it is to live in authentic community with one another. And that is messy. And sometimes there are doubts, and often we are anxiously projecting our own ideas about one another onto each other. And so Jesus, Jesus shows up and shows us a way to be in relationship to one another, to be vulnerable, exposed, unconditionally, positively regarding each other, to be genuine and authentic, real and accessible. Jesus shows us that in order to be in this deep relationship with one another and with God, we share who we are. We allow ourselves to be seen. And now, let's talk about what it's like to be on the other side. Let's talk about what it's like to receive somebody else's true self and how we hold one another's kintsugi selves with respectful and receptive hands. From our Acts scripture reading, we find Peter and the other apostles saying this, bravely in the face of the powers of their day. They shout, we must obey God rather than human beings. And friends, God's greatest commandment spoken through Jesus Christ, is that we love one another. So consider this. To love one another, we must be in authentic relationship with one another. We must seek to really know one another, to see each other, not as we wish that other people were, but as they actually are. Sometimes we get to know who people actually are, and it can be uncomfortable. Often it's much easier to play along with the idea that the people around us are not, in fact, broken, repaired, and or awaiting resurrection, but that they are just fine. So let me tell you a story about this from the perspective of one who is revealing a part of their truth to another. So as a person in the LGBTQ community, I know what it's like to come out regarding a piece of myself, my orientation, and to be met not with these gentle kintsugi hands, not hands that held my story, my truth gently, not hands that lifted up strength and beauty in the resurrection of living into an authentic life. I had waited years and years to tell somebody who was very close to me about this part of myself. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed for weeks and weeks, and I worried myself sick. There were sleepless night upon sleepless night. And then I did it. I ripped the Band-Aid off. I told them. And rather than a kintsugi reception of my truth, I was met with the following words. And I say these words because these are words that so many people who reveal a part of themselves hear. Wow. Hmm. It's really not what I had pictured for your life. I'd really pictured you marrying a man. So friends, I say that because that is an important example. 
that may be the kind of thing that we think. We may think in our minds, that's really not what I pictured. That's not what I had scripted for you. But when someone reveals who they truly are to us, that thought, though it may flit across our minds, should never be spoken out loud. When people reveal who they truly are to you, be that a part of their identity or a story of what they've experienced in life, or perhaps their greatest hopes and dreams, treat that revelation as a precious and sacred gift and receive it with gentle hands, as if you are receiving that kintsugi, bowl, or pottery. Find the strength and beauty in it. Respond with love, just as Jesus told us that we ought to. And if you struggle in that moment to find the strength and beauty just yet, simply say, thank you for sharing, for letting me know who you are, what you've experienced, your deepest hopes. Because people, in fact, do not exist in order to live up to our expectations of what we think they ought to be, clean and squeaky and idealized. Rather, we are, all of us, Just a bunch of real-life people behind all the masks that we wear in different settings. We are, each and every one of us, here in this room and out in the community, just a bunch of sinners and saints all mixed together. And the one thing that studies have found unites us is our longing for belonging. And this longing for belonging, that is why church matters. Because here... In this church, we can radically proclaim that there is a place for everyone, that every single person is invited to our table, where everyone's identities and stories can be held as sacred and held gently like this kintsugi bowl. Here is a place in this time of Easter where we boldly proclaim that we do not shy away from the wounds in Christ's side or hands, and we do not shy away from each other's wounds either. We do not worship a Savior who was resurrected and then appeared to his friends as if he had not been through the trauma of crucifixion. He appeared to his friends instead as his whole self, with wounds that they could see and touch. That's the Jesus that we worship, the one who is authentically open about where he has been and also where he is going, one that invites each and every one of us into resurrection as well. So friends, what if, what if we bore witness to each other's resurrections? What if we really witnessed one another? witnessed the woman who was in an abusive relationship but survived and got out of it, witnessed the teenager who secretly started slipping opioids from the medicine cabinet but worked up the courage to ask for help, the man who was laid off at work but has the self-awareness to go home and face his spouse instead of wallowing in shame. What if... What if we saw all those cracked and broken parts of one another and all the things that put those parts back together again? And we rejoiced in the putting back together in that resurrection of one another. What if we witnessed that resurrection saying to one another, 
you are beloved. You are beloved. You are strong. You are really strong. You are so beautiful. You are so beautiful. In every broken and unbroken part of you, you are beloved, strong, and beautiful. Friends, when we see the whole of one another, the broken, repaired, and still waiting for resurrection parts, we are able to fully bless one another, which is one of the greatest calls that we have as disciples of Christ. Amen.